da, 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 da. Okay, that sounded a little bit more jazz sexy than sad. It was supposed to be very bah, 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 bah. Guys, Coffee Dots, your host Kelsey Dara here, Confidently Insecure, the podcast where we are absolutely sure we don't know everything. I am your host, and I already said my name twice. We're off to a great start, a jazzy intro. Uh, as you guys know, with the breakup series, I've been doing my own sad little introduction here. Um, but I, our guest this week is anything but sad. She is my friend, <laughs> New York Times best-selling author, content creator, co-host of Just Between Us the podcast. Her book, Overthinking About You, is navigating romantic relationships when you have anxiety, OCD, and or depression, or all three, if you want to check all the boxes of us, Allison Raskin! This is the opposite of sad for me. This is like a really fun, happy hangout time. How are you? I'm good! And you, look, I, I sometimes after a breakup, you're going to feel joy and it's going to feel weird, but you just got to embrace True. it. True. And I, I I mean, most of you already probably know who Allison is. We, we run the same, I feel like, audience demographic. But I can't believe that you've never been on the podcast. But then also, I don't feel like there's any accidents. And I feel like God was waiting, universe was waiting for this to happen to like bring us together, if that makes sense. Uh, look, I'm just happy to be here. I didn't want you to have to go through trauma for that to happen, but... Um. <laughs> a true pal. Thank you. Thank you. But, but alas, here we are. Uh, one thing we do have in common is a trauma over breakups. Um, and obviously, uh, you are... Um, you've, you're, you're someone I admire so much, not only in like your talent and creativity, but the way you're able to take you know, the shit that has happened to you and make it useful for other people, which is why I loved overthinking about you so much. Um, Allison, what is your relationship (laughs) to overthinking and when did it begin? Wow. So I actually, I've had OCD um, since I was four years old. So I I have really earned my stripes as an overthinker, (laughs) um, also struggling with anxiety and depression. And for me, like, Obviously, you know, my mental health has had its like tentacles in all areas of my life, but I really always felt like the most out of control, I think, when it came to romantic relationships Mm. that really felt like a place where I was not my best self, where like if somebody didn't get back to me right away, I would blow up their phone until they never wanted to get back to me. Um, (laughs) I would like interpret everything through the lens of like, this means that they don't care about me. Mm. Um, And I think that that like, not to jump ahead into the psychology of it all, but I think that like um, changing my schema, do you know Mm. what a schema is? Explain it for those who don't. Yeah. Basically, like, we have, like, there's too much information in the world, and so we have certain, like, lenses through which we see things, Mm. right? So, like, we might have a schema of, like, what we expect a birthday party to look like, if that makes sense. And then we will have, like, a schema of, like, like, uh, ourselves and how others view us. And so I think that my schema was, like, that I was, like, not worthy or unlovable Mm. or that people wanted to leave. And so I would view everything through that lens. Mm. So somebody not getting back to me right away was confirmation 
of that fear mm. instead of just, oh, maybe there's a broader context at play and they're busy. <laughs> <laughs> and I feel like that's something that, I mean, going all the way back to four years old, right? Like that is, it, it's, it's pretty obvious in the case to say, here is environmental or like childhood factors that have kind of always followed me or uh, affected how I grew into or grew out of certain uh, mental health struggles. But when it comes to love and relationships, it involves a second person, right? So it's like, Mm -hmm. how did you start to recognize that your OCD and overthinking and anxiety depression, depression was kind of like trickling in, uh, in a way that like, how did you wake up to it not being healthy or do you consider it? Was it healthy? Was it a survival tactic? Oh, I don't think it was healthy. <laughs> I try to use, I, I, someone once gently pointed out to me that I, that like the healthy, unhealthy terminology isn't always the best. So I try to use adaptive or maladaptive Ooh, instead now. Okay. We love that. <laughs> um, and for the OCD, I think actually that that has more, I struggle, right? Because on the one hand, I'm like, was I so obsessed with having a romantic partner because that was part of my obsessions? Or was it really more just my anxiety at play Mm. in terms of like this, you know, this constant thinking about having a partner and and securing a partner and not feeling safe unless I had one. Mm. Um, But then my OCD would, would play in my romantic relationships just in like, it's annoying. Like, right. Like I'd have, I have contamination OCD. Mm. And so like, it would just be like annoying to like have these kind of rules and for the people that I was dating to sort of have to abide by them. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think, I think I maybe didn't even understand the depths of which my mental health was affecting my relationships versus my general personality until things started to get better. Like, Mm. I think that I thought that I was just really bad at dating and relationships. Mm. Whereas like once I got to a place where I was like showing up in a different way, I was like, oh, it's actually not me. It was these other things that were like contributing to these actions that then ultimately kind of like drove people away or made it harder for me. Um, Maybe the OCD did show up in terms of having very um, black and white thinking. Mm. So like needing everything to be defined really clearly, needing people to commit to me right away, needing to feel like this was leading to a clear resolution, AKA marriage when I was like 24, like, you know, Um, but it is, you know, it is interesting, but at the same time, I am somebody who values marriage and who values serious relationships. And so it's this whole, that whole thing of, of parsing out what's the real me and what's my, you know, my mental health disorder. Yeah. And you went back to school. Can you tell us a little bit about that? And do you think that that had like, what made that decision happen? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So at the beginning of 2020, I actually went back to school to get a master's. Um, originally it was in clinical psychology, but now I'm, I'm finishing up just getting a a master's in psychology, which basically means I'm, I'm not going to have any clinical hours. Um, because I'm not planning to get licensed as a therapist where at the beginning I thought that maybe I would get licensed as a therapist Mm. as sort of a, a backup career plan, um, slash just supplemental education, Mm -hmm. you know, and, and it's wild to me when I look back, like before I started school where I was like, I'm a mental health advocate. I know all about this. And now I'm like, 
wow, I didn't know anything and I still don't know much. <laughs> Facts. It's so true. It's so true. To, and also it's so unique to be on both sides, right? Or like you've been in the system, you've been a patient and, and then to be on the opposite side, like how was that experience for you or how is that experience for you? Well, it's such a difference just having your own personal history versus a wider understanding of mental health and the mental health system in general. Um, and like, you know, one of the things I talk about now is like the way that my OCD and my anxiety and my depression show up for me is unique. Mm. Everyone shows up differently. And I think because we have these terminologies of, oh, you have anxiety, I have anxiety. There's this sense of like, we must experience it the same way. It must manifest in the same way. But it's like, no, no, no. Like, I'm like, you know, both of us have have mental health struggles, but I guarantee they <laughs> they manifest completely differently. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, and and so an understanding that it can show up for people in such different ways an understanding of like what, you know, what the barriers are, mm. um, that so much is not just like, I think there's this pressure of like on the individual to get better mm -hmm. when like, Hey, maybe the problem is these systemic issues. Maybe it's oppression. You can't really, you know, get yourself better out of a racist work environment. Mm. Like, um, understanding people's context, broader contexts more, um, along with, you know, just like kind of the nitty gritty of, of different disorders that I didn't have personal experience with. Yeah. I feel like if I were in that situation, like the day they're like, let's get into panic disorder. I'd be like, I don't need to be here. I'm good. Let's go everybody. <laughs> I'll teach you out back the real stuff. Like I, I, I do, but there's also, you know, this thing in my head where I believe that the day you stop learning is the day you die. And there's always breakthroughs happening with mental health, you know, education and research and treatment. And, and that it sounds really exciting. And, and I told you this a million times, but I'm like, I admire you so much for even being like, you know what? I'm going to go back to school. That sounds like my fucking nightmare. Um, <laughs> it's not fun. <laughs> yeah, no, it, it doesn't seem fun. Um, but it sounds cool. I it's, I'd be bragging a lot. If I were you, I would be like, yeah, I went back to school during the panini. Um, so another, uh, shared experience we have is obviously the trauma of going through breakups. And, uh, you know, I think we could do a whole episode just on what it's like to get into a relationship with someone that is an overthinker that is diagnosed OCD that has anxiety, depression, that's its own episode, which we've certainly done a lot about that. Something unique that I don't think we've talked enough about here or in the world in general is what the fuck happens to people like us going through a breakup. And, um, if you're comfortable, would you share a little bit about, um, your, experience with ending, uh, uncoupling relationships in your past and how your OCD and anxiety had sort of played into all of that, that messiness. Nah, no, um, <laughs> I'm good. See ya. Yeah. <laughs> so historically I have handled breakups very badly mm. um that has been like in college this guy who like never even liked me very much we had like a seventh month relationship where like two months of it was the summer like not like was not i don't know why he dated me in the first Aww. place that like kind of like fun and smart. me <laughs> well but 
like, you know, every we're not compatible with everybody. And I like, you know, I don't think the things that other people I've been in relationships valued about me, mm. he, that, you know, Fair. he might have did. Um, but like I, my parents were like, yeah, that just set you into like a two year depressive spiral. Mm. Like I, I historically, like in the times that I have, um, had more suicidal ideation it is like following a breakup breakups like have completely destroyed me to the point of like i don't want to live anymore where i i I go right to you know catastrophizing that i'm I'm worthless that i will never find love again Uh, i went through a breakup in 2017 and that really i i my mom had to like fly out to Mm. la for what we we call you know light suicide watch Mm. Um, just light and not that appetizer suicide (laughs) that's what we call it (laughs) i'm really lucky in that my parents have always been so explicit with me that if i were to do that how much it would harm them so even though there have been many times in my life where I did not want to live, I never, I never um, took action mm. about it out of a loyalty to them. That's kind I of think that's something amazing, that, like, kind of. That's something I think maybe more parents could do. I don't know. Well, I think it, there's this fear that if we talk about it, mm-hmm. then it will make people want to do it. But I actually think some, you know, I can't speak for everyone, but talking about it explicitly and saying directly, do not do this mm-hmm. because it will destroy us. Like, do, you know, like there are moments where people think, oh, nobody cares if I will do this. Mm-hmm. But having the evidence of like, no, people will care. Yeah. Please do not do this. Instead, come to us for help. Come to us to help you, mm-hmm. um, I think is really powerful. Um, and so, yeah, but following that breakup of, in 2017, I was a wreck. And um, that actually motivated me to get back on medication mm-hmm. for the first time since I was like 21. Mm-hmm. So I was like, I was probably like 27 or 28 and I hadn't been on it for the majority of my twenties, which why <laughs> was a mistake. I'm like, I could never, <laughs> I, with what I did in my twenties, absolutely no. <laughs> um, yeah. So that, you know, I hit a real low where I was like, I've got to get back on meds. I got to, you know, this is, this is not okay. Like the, the level of, mm. of hell that I went to, mm. um, in my, in my mind. Um, and then, um, I, in, in 2019 started dating somebody new. I was, um, I had another whole nother relationship before that, <laughs> but that breakup I initiated and therefore gotcha. very yeah. different experience. Yeah. Um, Isn't that funny? <laughs> oh, it's very different. Yeah. When we're the ones doing it. <laughs> um, still so uncomfortable and yeah. so yucky, but it, it, it is a different, yeah. um, at least in the way that my brain worked, it didn't mean that I, I beat myself up in sure, the same way. Sure. Um, and then in, you know, I started dating this guy. I was, like I said, I was, you know, showing up in a different way. It was a, it was like the, the healthiest relationship I ever had. It was like the most intimate and, and, um, close relationship I'd ever had mm-hmm. in a lot of ways. And, um, we, we got engaged and I was like, incredible. Wow. You did it, Allison. It's all happening for you. Um, and then, and then six months later, one night within 20 minutes, I was suddenly learning that he no longer wanted to be in this relationship or work on mm-hmm. it at all. And, and he, you know, he left our shared apartment and that's the last time I have ever seen him in person. Mm. I got one about 10 minute FaceTime call the next day, mm. but, um, I never, I never saw him again. Well, and, um, that was rough, mm. but, uh, <laughs> just a bit, sounds a bit rough, just a little bit, just a little bit. But what was, what was interesting was objectively, this was the 
biggest breakup of my life. Mm -hmm. I mean, it wasn't just a breakup. It was a broken engagement. Like I was confident that this was the man I was going to marry and spend the rest of my life with. And then within one night that was ripped away from me. And he, you know, was like, not like, didn't ever check in on me again. Didn't ever like seem to care that he had done this to me. Like was just whoosh gone. Mm. But what was so different was for the first time, I knew that I was going to be okay. Mm. Like, I remember like Mm. pretty early on saying to one of my friends, I was like, how long is this going to be horrible? Like three months? (laughs) Can I get a date? Am I going to be miserable for like three months? And I got to tell you, Kelsey, three months later, I was doing a lot better. (laughs) (laughs) I mean... I, I like there's so you've said so many like beautiful things there and like my life or I see so much reflected in your stories in like different ways. I, I had to go to rehab after the last big breakup in my early 20s, like suicidal, sleeping for three days, pills, rehab, came back out. My parents had to fly out here, whole situation. And then Jared and I were together for five years. And there was a point where I thought. I have a life. I have things to live for now that I will be okay. It doesn't mean I'm going to be not sad, that I'm not going to be traumatized, devastated, that's not going to be the most fucked up shit ever. But I also distinctly remember that feeling of being like, even though this is the biggest love of my life, literally asked my dad to marry me a year ago, almost like exact time, thought we were going to be together forever, my ride or die. And then now I'm less than a month out of like the official breakup and I'm the best I've ever been. And that's not to say three, two months ago, I wasn't the worst I've ever been, but how is that? Allison, how did we get here? How is this fucking possible? How did we, how is, where, where was the turn? How did we come out at the ground like this? Cause I'm just assuming I'm doing it. What you're doing. I think it's because we did the work, right? Like we, you know, we had spent a lot of time building and nurturing our relationship with ourselves. Mm. And so like the relationship I had with myself when my ex-fiance left was so vastly different than the relationship I had with myself when that other ex left. Like Mm. I valued myself more. I cared for myself more. And I was also able to see that sometimes people do things not because of you. (laughs) Like I, I, I think that in the past I would have taken a hundred percent of the blame for my fiance walking out of on me. I wouldn't have been able to conceptualize a world where like that wasn't my fault or because of some deficit in myself. Mm. But this time I was like, I viewed it more like kind of just like a freak accident Mm. where I was like, Oh, well really stinks that that happened. (laughs) But I guess none of us could have seen that coming. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Like, holy shit. I didn't like, uh, I didn't internalize it in the mm. same way. And I, and I, I mentioned this to you at lunch, but like for me, like when you're, when someone leaves you, there's like two major emotions you're dealing with and one is grief and one is rejection. Mm-hmm. And I kind of made the point to just focus on the grief mm. because 
I had to grieve him. I was not just grieving him. I was grieving my future. I was grieving this life that we had built together. This, this, you know, this milestone that I had won my entire life that was now taken away from Mm. me. But I didn't focus on the rejection. Mm. I didn't focus on like, what does this mean that he said no to me? What does this mean? Like, like that, that hurt, the hurt of rejection is so painful, right? It is like so icky. And so in the past I would like poke it, right? I would like poke it, poke it, poke (laughs) it, let myself bleed from it, just kind of flail myself over Mm. it. And instead I went, I'm going to avoid this. Yeah. (laughs) I'm going to avoid this rejection patch. Mm. And instead just like really feel the pain of the grief Mm. and then keep moving forward. Mm. Like I didn't want him to continue to control my life past the day that he left it. If that makes sense. You're making my nipples hard, Allison. That was so like, (laughs) God, fucking powerful. I want to, I want to like ask you a couple questions because I'd be lying if I didn't say a couple old habits and patterns certainly showed up during my breakup and the weather is getting warmer. So it is time to say goodbye to jackets and sweaters and hello to shorts and tees. I wanted to update my wardrobe for the long haul without spending a fortune. Luckily I found Quince. Now that I've got a lineup of timeless pieces that keep me looking effortless, effortless, less, yeah, effortlessly chic year after year, like uh, premium European linen dresses, blouses, and shorts from 30 doll hairs, washable silk tops, timeless 14 karat gold jewelry, and so much more. The best part, all Quince items are priced 50 to 80% less than similar brands. I can confirm this. I'm actually wearing Quince pants right now. You are. They are so, they're they're loose, they're breezy. These babies have a button, a fly, drawstring, and elastic in the band. So I can like, I can dress them up, I can dress them down. Yes. They are, they're the perfect pant for summer and I'm really comfortable as hell in them. Honestly, I am wearing the Quince 14 karat gold earring loop right now. Oh my God. I know. I think it's so cute. It does not tarnish. It is so comfy and I have sensitive ears so I'm really loving this for my body. So get warm weather ready with Quince. Go to Quince.com slash Kelsey for free shipping on your order in 365 day returns. That's Q-U-I-N-C-E dot com slash Kelsey to get free shipping and 365 day returns. Quince.com slash Kelsey. Are you looking to cut back on alcohol this year? (laughs) You are talking to two sober Sally's. You know, Zach and I love to drink recess zero proof craft mocktails because it's a guilt-free way to unwind. It has 0% alcohol made with real fruit, only 25 calories or less. And it is sweetened with agave because y'all know I got that sugar addiction. It has incredible flavors. One of my favorites is the grapefruit Paloma. The Paloma is actually one of the last drinks I was drinking when I was drinking alcohol. So this is like a nice little nostalgia moment and it still feels really fun in my hand. And there's no reason we should be missing out on the partying either. It's such a good replacement for alcohol, a great drink for having in between alcoholic drinks, unwinding at home, at dinner parties, chilling on the couch. It is endless. Get 15% off recess mocktails now at takearecess.com slash Kelsey. So you can enjoy your favorite cocktails without the consequences. Something that the confidants know and like a lot of my close friends know is that Jared and I's uncoupling was, you know, 
for a few months, whereas Mm -hmm. like you are certainly felt like just one moment in time that was like black and white. And this, I think weirdly, I was going through the grief process while we were still together, realizing that it wasn't going to work out any longer. Whereas, and I don't want to speak for him, but it seemed like he was okay and was like this is what's for the best and i'm like how are you okay right now and then now i think maybe he's processing it a little bit like we're on opposite timelines so certainly during that month of uncoupling there were some things that popped up that i was like this doesn't feel authentic to who i am anymore it feels like you know 2014 rehab kelsey like basically I want to ask why do we do the things, especially during rejection and hurt and grief, like obsessively look over text messages or pictures and like, have you ever been guilty of doing these things? (laughs) Of course. Yeah. I mean, look, coping skills are like they're maladaptive coping skills and they're adaptive coping skills. And, and it makes sense that if we have it, felt a feeling in a long time we will go back to what we did the last time we felt that feeling um the hope is then being able to say actually this this is not where i want to stay like realizing that maybe the things that you did last time you were in that feeling might have prolonged the feeling um versus like helping you get out of it (laughs) um but you know a big thing and i think touching on the overthinking of it all like Yes, I spent a lot of, of times trying, you know, because of the way that it went down for me, there were so many unanswered questions. Mm-hmm. Like the only answer I got as to why this person left me was because something was quote unquote missing. So you're looking, you're on a search. Anxious, <laughs> yeah, like an anxious mind wants to answer that yeah. question. What was the something? Yeah. And they and it wants to answer it with all my biggest insecurities, all the mm. things that I don't like about myself, all the things that like I I would if I was rejecting myself, I would reject myself based on. But I ultimately like had to figure out that like doing that, it's not like I was going to find out. Mm. It's not like I was going to like land on the answer and someone was going to go ding ding ding. Like yes, it actually was your OCD and he thought you'd be a bad mother mm. because of it. Sure, that's a fear that I have, but I don't know for sure that's why. Like, yes, he didn't like that you, you know, snacked a lot at night and didn't know how to cook. Like, okay, maybe that was it. It could be all those things, but I'm never going to know for sure. Mm. So, like, what is the point in me exhausting myself and in the process beating myself up Mm. over an answer I'm not going to get? And so, really, like, the big thing was being like, I don't know exactly what happened Mm. i have theories as to what happened and what led us to this thing but i will never know for sure and therefore i need to just let it go back to the show only a few very close uh inner circle people know about like the specific details of my breakup with jared but y'all coffee dots allison is one of them (laughs) i was texting her voice noting her i mean like we're friends we're friendly we're we're homies in the biz we've done each other's projects and stuff but i was like so connected to the way that you had handled your breakup and and uncoupling that i was like she she clearly knows everything clearly she's got it all figured out and then you know as we're talking we had lunch the other day i was like oh yeah we're all just it's different it's heartbreak is universal but the way we handle it is so 
unique and specific to everybody. And there is no timeline for how you're supposed to get over thing. There is no, you know, benchmark to meet with grief, but the immediate aftermath of shock and desperation that I had of just, please, why would, why would you do this? Pick me. Like why I couldn't find the why behind the issue. And that's what drove me into overthinking. And what I found, and maybe you probably know a little bit more of like the sciencey side of it, the psychology side of it, going through old photos or looking at my albums or watching old Instagram stories or scrolling back to text messages to try and produce a feeling of joy was like a hit of heroin. It was like, if I could find this thing that proved, no, we were soulmates. We were the best couple together. We, we belong together that I would get this hit. And then I found myself being addicted to trying to only remember the good shit. And that wasn't living in reality. And that wasn't, that was a lot easier than saying, let me process what's actually happening and do it in a way where I allow myself to feel all the feelings, to, to feel very out of control, to feel very, um, to, to practice letting go. I don't know if that like made any sense in terms of psychology terms, but that was my interpretation of unhealthy uncoupling. Yeah. And I, I'm... Oh, no, wait, maladaptive. I'm sorry. <laughs> maladaptive. I'm sorry. Yeah, and I mean, I think speaking to how it's so different, like for me, something that I tend to do after being dumped is assume that they never cared about me at all, right? Is to say it was never real, like they never cared. And and um, especially because my ex sort of kept pushing back the timeline of when he said he was uncertain about us. Like he kind of alluded to the fact that like before he even proposed, he was questioning our relationship. And so for me, like, a big thing that I had to do was not give into that was to actually fight and say like, no, this person did care about me. This person did love me. And maybe in the last few months he fell out of love with me and that sucks. But like, I do not need to completely negate our entire time together. And so mm. the one thing I would look at was there's a, there was this one video where <laughs> I know if, like, if you remember the bachelor bachelorette, like that, that running jump they do, and they like yeah. catch each other and, and we were watching with yeah. friends and so we pra we did the jump where i like ran and, and i think there's like a term for it but i can't remember it but anyway yeah. in that video like you could tell that this guy loved me like you could just see Aww. like on his face that like when whatever that moment in time was he loved me and so like that was something that was mm -hmm. helpful to me so that i my whole world didn't fall apart because it was falling apart but like it wouldn't have been helpful for me to like question the reality of like the last almost two years of my life. Like I could tell that it would have been like detrimental for me to be like, none of it was real. None of it mattered. Mm. And I needed mm -hmm. to like be able to say, no, maybe the last few months were different than the months before, but this wasn't a made up mm. relationship. I didn't make this all mm. up in my head, but that I think for mm. you, cause again, you're in such a different circumstance. Like I think because the last, you know, correct me if I'm wrong, like the last few months were so tough, mm -hmm. like to, to, to move on, you needed to maybe focus on that instead of the good times. And because it can be yes. really hard to accept the reality of what our relationship is right now versus what it mm -hmm. used to be.
Mm-hmm. It, it, a quote that I kept hearing about like breakup and, and grief after breakups is like, it might, you, you might be mad at the person you might be have anger towards them, but a lot of it is the insult of what you thought the relationship was going to be or what you were promised the relationship was going to be, or what you were so assured over and over again was going to be this thing. And then what it actually was is such a shock to the system. And I think our bodies do anything we can to clasp back onto safety, right? So for some people, it's calling them all the time, doing anything to get their attention, to to just have one last conversation, or if I could just do something that would make them remember why. And what I found the toughest moments for me in that period of time, you know, whether it was right after the breakup or when I was doing the grieving was those moments of stillness and quiet where I would be in our house that we shared and with all of our stuff and my brain just didn't know what the fuck to do. And I would just ruminate on everything. And it was like, my friend had said something. She was like, Heartbreak is like, how are we supposed to just go to work? Like, how do we just go sit in a Zoom meeting? How do we go to the fucking grocery store? Like, you're a bleeding open wound. And we're just supposed to pretend like, oh, let me just stop this bleeding for 30 minutes to just pretend to be a normal human. It's like, what? So do you have any, like, takes on maybe those moments where you really are alone when you're not in that necessarily fight or flight thick of it? Um, stages with the other person, but when you're when you're coming to terms with that reality, what we can do. What really helped me was prioritizing myself. So I think we can be so partner focused in these moments of what are they thinking? What is their experience of this? Like, are they thinking about me? Like, are they going to regret this? But really instead just being like, okay, if I remove this person from my life, what do I need now? Like, what do I need to get to get to the next stage? Like, what do I want this next chapter to look like for me? And how can I nourish myself to get there? Because I think we just need to, it, it, it is such a mindfuck, right? Because we've spent months or years or decades thinking about this other person, right? Like, that's what partnership is. You take into account this other person's thoughts and needs and desires and and suddenly being like oh i only have to live for myself right now um what does that mean what do i want to do in this moment you know what could i not have done when they were here <laughs> like maybe it's blasting mm. that music that they don't like or it's ordering the food that they always tell you is too expensive or it's like reclaiming things for yourself stepping up as your own friend saying in this part in this breakup i'm picking me <laughs> like do you know what mm. i mean like if we're picking sides i'm picking myself (laughs) fuck that i i didn't realize that i had been saying that a lot but i have been saying that internally like i choose me i am picking me and sometimes and allison was actually your voice pops in my head all the time where you sent this text once where you were like you could figure out maybe you were talking about yourself but you were like i could figure out all the healing and growth as a person later right now i need to do what feels good and fun for me. And I was like, Oh, I could do what feels good and fun, even though maybe getting to the fun might feel really icky and hard. Like I could go 
you know, to the backyard and do like naked yoga and like jump in the jacuzzi at seven 30 in the morning. Not that that wasn't something I could do with Jared, but it was just, I don't know. We had our routines. And so I really focused on take a little bit of a, a chill on the, the self-help books on the podcasts on the, the agonizing over the thoughts and the thinking and do the fucking living, mm -hmm. do the fucking living. Even if you're stumbling through it, even if I'm, fucking up first dates or like messy. And it was, it was, it was putting a pin in that, that sadness a little bit, which seems so fucking hard when it's all you can think about and feel. Yeah. And like, I, I think, you know, we both probably fall a bit victim to this being mental health advocates where it's like, well, I have to, I have to live the best. I have to, yeah. I have to be mentally healthy at all times. I can't ever misbehave. I have to live virtuously there because I'm the one talking about it to, to other people. But it's like, sometimes like you can just grow later. Like sometimes you can just like, <laughs> right? Like think about it. if you're training for a marathon and then you sprain your ankle, you don't keep training the same way. You fucking rest until you get better. Like this is a mental mm. health, like rest time because you're hurt. And so you mm. have to like, you know, be in crisis mode instead of growth mode. You have mm. to just get yourself back mm. to baseline. Um, and so that's going to look different than trying to, you know, achieve your best self. Mm. Yeah. It, that also sounds like such a long-term plan. Whereas like, I think anyone that's really resonating with the conversations that we've been having around breakups that it's like, no, yeah, no, we're looking for like practical right yeah. now <laughs> shit. Like that all sounds nice and great, but that's like months of work, like months of going to yoga classes and months of, you know, sound baths and ice, play, whatever, veganism. But let's get to the nitty gritty. Let's get to the minutia of it. Let's get to if some confidants are listening who are going through the crisis moment right now, right? They're like, I need to feel all the feelings. I am not a rock. I am a human. I'm allowing crisis mode to be here. However, I can't stop thinking about whether it's this compulsion or this rumination or this thought. What are like steps you take when you're going through those moments of overthinking that can kind of bring us out of it? So hard, you know, um, I think one of the things I do is I try to be a little careful about what root of thinking I'm doing, right? So if I'm going down a route of thinking that is beating myself up or being cruel to myself, I try to steer it back to, well, this is sad. I'm sad. Not like I'm a piece of shit, right? So just like <laughs> allowing some thoughts more than others. Um, but also just like, Hey, I don't want to be alone with my thoughts right now. I'm going to listen to a podcast. Like, you know, obviously we need to process, but sometimes we just need a break from our own mind. So a lot mm. of times that I'm not doing super well, I will just like not really let myself be alone with my thoughts as much as other times. Like, yeah, I'll just ha have music playing or I'll have a podcast playing or I'll go on TikTok and like, I can't recommend that as like a, I'm not a therapist and I don't know if that's good <laughs> advice, but that's like something that's helped me. Yeah. Um, and then I 100%. think also just accepting this is meant to feel shitty, right? Like mm. not putting additional um, feelings of judgment on ourselves right. for struggling, not saying like, right. Oh, why can't I get over this? It's like, yeah, because you just got your heart broken because you're dealing with one of the hardest things that you could deal with as a human being with feelings. So just like mm. a big dose of self-compassion, a big dose of understanding as to why this is so hard. And 
for me, just a reminder of like, it will not always feel this way. It Mm. feels this way now. But if I take steps to actively heal, like no longer checking their Instagram, no longer sending them texts, uh, going out, meeting other people, spending time with my friends, like, you know, like if I, I... I think there's this false belief that time heals all wounds, but Mm. it's not going to heal everything if you just keep doing the same stuff. (laughs) Like you have to sort of like take some active steps to to get better. Um, Mm. But those steps look different. Some days you'll have more energy for them than others. And some days you just need to, you know, mindlessly scroll on TikTok for an hour because it lets you, it lets you get through the day. Mm. I love what you just said. I was like, oh, that's going in the, the promotional uh, tab. Of, of <laughs> you you think time heal all, heals all wounds, but your wounds can't heal if you're just doing the same shit. Like, yes, you can out of sight, out of mind certain things, but if you still are avoiding feeling those feelings, it's going to come back in some way, right? It's going to manifest either as patterns in your next relationship or maybe chronic pain or chronic anxiety or something where if we don't allow it to pass through us, how will we ever really process this grief? And that was just, that was really hot. What you said. (laughs) Thank you. Well, that was, I, I, everything I say I've learned from other mental health professionals, so I can't take full credit, but thank you. (laughs) Um, and finally, like what about your amazing book overthinking about you can help with uh with people who maybe i've identified with some of the things we've talked about here whether it be getting into a relationship or getting out of a relationship what can people expect yeah so it's like it kind of covers the gamut from like you know how to date productively if you are single to how to communicate your mental health history to a partner to a chapter on medications and how you know side effects can sort of show up in our relationships and in our sense of self um, we, we talk a bit about, about the sex of it all and how, um, you know, our, our anxiety and, 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 um, symptoms don't just like leave the bedroom. Like they come with us, you know, throughout our life and, and how do we sort of like manage that and talk about that? Um, so yeah, it's kind of, I, I, I hope there's in something for everyone, you know, I think, um, it was also really nice to hear the feedback that it wasn't just helpful for people navigating romantic relationships, but sort of just mm. like relationships in general, including mm. like family members and, you know, friends as well. Hell yeah, bitch. A wide variety. Yeah. Um, and where can people find it? And then where can people find you? So the book Overthinking About You is pretty much available um, anywhere books are sold. I know The Strand in New York does ship internationally and, and has some signed copies. And then for me, um, you can check out my weekly podcast, Just Between Us, anywhere you listen to podcasts. And my socials are at Allison Raskin uh, for Instagram and TikTok. Uh, no, for, my socials are at Allison Raskin for Instagram and Twitter. My TikTok is at Allison Raskin Baby. Um, and then I have a mental health focused Instagram account and Substack called Emotional Support Lady. So that's all things mental I health. I love Emotional Support Lady. I, I hope you continue to do that because I really enjoyed that. And I think it's very helpful and cute. And I remember oh, seeing that and being you. like, I'm going to bookmark some of these. Um, Allison, you're great. I'm not going to say goodbye because I'm going to talk to you off thread in a second because we are going to work together and do things and make stuff and uh, confidants. If you're not already following Allison, you should because you're going to see a lot more of her in my life. And I'm glad that I see you a lot more in my life, even if it 
just does mean getting lunch once every year. That's, you know, that's <laughs> A plus hangouts for me. We're going to do more. We're ramping up. <laughs> yeah. And we're not just going to bond over our breakup traumas. We're going to actually, you know, do regular friendship things too. <laughs> <laughs> All right, confidants, that's it for this week. If you want to talk about something that has to do with breakups, make sure you leave a comment below. Tell us what subject matters you guys are struggling with or are curious to know more about. Don't forget to rate this five stars on iTunes. It helps the podcast get seen. If it's not going to be five stars, please don't rate it at all because I am sensitive. Speaking of sensitive, the merch is out now. Don't forget, you can also follow all of Allison's links will be below as well as where to get her book. And we will see you next week. Thanks, Allison. Thank you. Bye.